Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where the floor may be made of non-floor substances. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beege. Ah, my feet! (laughs) 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 I won! You legitimately got me for the first time in a long time. Wow, that was good. Um, Today today we're talking about... uh, action reality shows because i didn't know what else to call these things but this was kicked off because of the floor is lava so right i watched the floor is lava with my kids um just over the last few weeks like basically over the summer it was something that we didn't binge watch we watched as a family every couple nights we would sit down and watch like one or two episodes and that was about perfect right because we could just like zone in for half an hour or an hour as a family pick someone to cheer for and like cheer for this stupid dumb game that we love that was like fun like it's dumb fun but in the best kind of i i say dumb in the lovingest way possible right for this and the way that i love stuff like i love fast and the furious because it is dumb yeah and i love it and it was great and like i'm we had such a good time and it was a good couple weeks of like picking away at a tv show as a family um and then it's it's over and now if they come out with another season of it next year or two years down the line, we'll absolutely watch it again as a family. And it just got me thinking about like this genre of TV. And I feel like this might be a shorter episode because I don't know how much we have to say about it. But I had to bring it up as something to talk about. So, yeah, let's start with The Floor is Lava. Have you seen it? I have not. I've only seen a clip from The Soup. And so that is completely out of context. I've not seen this at all. And uh, thinking about it now with us doing this tonight, that might be something I want to put on and watch uh, tonight. I didn't even think about doing it beforehand. When I get done with this, I may go watch The Floor is Lava just because it's dumb. It is. It's it's fun, right? Like they enter a room on one side. They have to get to the other side of the room. And it's basically an adult sized obstacle course that has a bunch of red water in it that they have to act like it's lava. And there are traps, there are booby traps, there are like buttons they can hit or ropes they can untie that'll like change the environment. And it's just, you know, it's this action type of reality show where it's real people reacting to this environment they've been put into and trying to get to the other side. And it's it's really fun. And like they lean in to the dumb fun of it because one of the rules that they never explicitly say but if you watch the whole season the way we did you quickly realize that if a contestant ever has more than just like their feet casually touch the water they have to act like it's lava and fall in all of the way so okay you'll see people where you're like oh you could totally recover from the position you're in right now but because their legs are dangling like halfway in the water they have to like let go and like give themselves like a scream like a ah like it's so it's funny lava. yeah because it's lava exactly and i was curious about that too like with it being water and, and here's where i am i am being that guy with the floor is lava because the viscosity of lava and water are entirely different how do they handle splashes how like when water will splash up on them do they actually have to treat it like it's lava and like not use that leg or something no they they have a bunch of like air cannons in it so they actually splash on the contestants a lot almost as part of the game to like distract oh. so it's only if you like fall into it that they act like that okay okay because i was curious because like this could lead to some really interesting like rules that like you can't hop on your left leg because you got lava burned through all of it like like that could be weird or it could just be something like that where that's like i just don't need to fall into the lava kid yeah so it was really fun and it it's just like it's one of these things that's like a light genre of tv that 
if you're in the right headspace, you can really embrace it and just have fun with it. And I know that Netflix has other ones like this, like Ultimate Beastmaster. I think I watched a season of that, um, but like before I had kids or right when they were really young. Um, but I mentioned that. I was like, oh, we could watch this as a family. And both my kids were like, oh, we've already watched that. It was really good. <laughs> so I was like, well, oh, really? there goes that idea. But, you know, they had fun with it. So that was another one I think of. But like, do you have any of the ones in this genre that like jump out to you as one that stuck out or is your favorite or that you enjoyed? Honestly, probably the original Japanese Ninja Warrior Sasuke was my favorite one of any of these that I've seen in a like forever. Like outside of the ones we grew up with, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Like the one that I like the most. I've never seen Ultimate Beastmaster. Like that one is kind of a, an American Gladiators kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like a Ninja Warrior y type thing like that. It's, yeah, it's kind of, it reminds me of the tone of American Gladiators, but the actual moment-to-moment of it is definitely more like Ninja Warrior. Okay. So I haven't seen it. I've just seen the trailers for it, but one of my favorite ones is the original Ninja Warrior, uh, Sasuke in Japanese, uh, in Japan, because of the contestants. Like, the contestants made that one for me, and they, they're they what really make a uh, show like this, one of these action game shows for me, because if I don't like the people who I'm watching, and I think they, uh, they kind of suck, then I'm not going to want to watch or root for them. And so Ninja Warrior, the thing about it, all the people were just so nice there was like this really athletic fisherman who kept coming year after year and like just beating and they're like hey it's the ninja fisherman and everybody's like they're happy about it and those people the best part about it the reason i like it is that even when somebody failed even when somebody like did not get it or if somebody beat somebody else everybody was nice about it like there was very rarely that kind of thing that happens in american ninja warrior and american game shows where they get mad when they fail where they just get ragey like they they're oh no and just like and really angry all of the the ones on the original one were just like oh Oh, well, I tried and I gave it my best shot. And uh, like, we're doing this for fun. And uh, that was why I like non-American style in a good way. It is in in, in a good way. Yeah, that's one of those things where I like the Japanese one better than the American one, mainly because of the way that people don't take it nearly as seriously. Even the people who take it seriously don't take it American seriously, if you know what I mean. Oh, I totally do. I know I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to go too far down this path. But um, Master chef america is a show right. that like my wife and i watched a couple seasons we're like oh we like this and then we found out that there are master chefs all around the world and we started downloading those uh we're not going to talk about the legality of how but if if you start watching the master chefs from elsewhere around the world you realize that they're so much better because they're not all about competition and rivalry it's right. really about like having a good time and becoming friends with each other and like you said you know you're kind of happy that you got to compete and you get to meet some people as you're competing, and that's what the show becomes about. It's never yep. about winning or never purely about winning, whereas American TV is all about where's the conflict, who's going to win, who's going to lose. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I definitely like that tone better than the American style. Yeah, so if y'all have never seen the original Ninja Warrior, y'all should really go look it up. Like, it's great. There have been years where on Jennifer's birthday, all she wanted to do was watch Ninja Warrior. Like, that was what she wanted to do. She wanted to come home from work, order takeout, and sit and watch Ninja Warrior marathons. And uh, because she just liked seeing these people do this stuff. And um, so I like these kinds of of game shows. I always have. Like, you and I were talking about when uh, the Jedi 
Jedi Temple Challenge came out a few months ago, uh, where it just brought back all of these memories of stuff that we watched as kids. Like, this is something that goes back to, I know, people who are almost 40, like, I know it goes back to at least then. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, Jedi Temple Challenge is actually the reason that I ended up giving The Floor is Lava a shot. Because that came out and I watched the first like three or four episodes with my kids and we had a lot of fun with that. You know, like cheering on these other kids, picking a team to root for. And even if they get knocked out, you're like, okay, we'll root for the other team. Like we just had a good time with it, right? And the the Jedi Temple Challenge was interesting. Like it seems like the characters, like not the kids in it, but the other characters are actual canon to the Star Wars universe, which I thought was really cool that they did that. Um, And the game overall is basically just like legends of the hidden temple, but with a star Wars skin on top of it. Um, and the, uh, AD is like the name of the droid, something like AD. Mm-hmm. And it's just a snarky commentator the whole time. And I just loved it. I loved it so much. And there's this whole temptation of the dark side thing in the final challenge where they try to lure the kids into like saying, yes, I accept the dark side. And then you get like, a free pass through the challenge you're stuck on, but it makes the next challenge harder. And so like just working in all of these star Wars canony things into it, um, made me really happy. And then the other thing I loved about Jedi temple challenge was that the Jedi master for it, like basically the game show host, but he's a Jedi master in this is Ahmed best who, if you don't recognize that name, that's Jar Jar Binks and Jar Jar Binks Ahmed Best specifically, not Jar Jar the character, but Ahmed Best has just gotten so much hate over the years for playing Jar Jar Binks as a character, and mm-hmm. he doesn't deserve it. He did like it- su- he did such a good job with what he was given, and you have to remember that like that character pioneered digital CG actors in a way that nothing else ever had before. No, and like it ruined his career that uh, he went through severe depressions where he was uh, suicidal at times because of just how he had ruined his life by doing Star Wars and being Jar Jar. So it really surprised me. That's why whenever I saw him, he looked familiar, but I didn't recognize him. And the reason that it never even crossed my mind that it would be Ahmed Best is because he was so... uh, down because of Star Wars. It had done taken such a toll on his life. I wouldn't have expected him to come back to Star Wars. Like that was something like I did not expect. So I'm excited that he's been able to move forward uh, in life and really uh, accept where where he is and get to the uh, get to this where, you know, now he's a Jedi master. You know, they gave him they kind of redeemed uh, not not him because he did a fantastic job as Jar Jar. Like that motion capture and CG character is great. Like, but he's he's a Jedi Master now, so it's like, what are people going to make fun of for that? Yeah, I'm I'm just so happy that they were able to get him back into Star Wars in a new role, and he got to actually be like an in canon Jedi Master. And at the same time, you can tell he's legitimately having a good time being the game show host and like mm-hmm. walking the kids through everything, and that it's just like a good fit for him. Um, so that made me happy seeing that show too. So those were kind of like the two more recent ones that jumped out to me were you know Floors Lava and Jedi Temple Challenge. But like you mentioned, there's a bunch of these from our childhood. And those are worth mentioning, too. Like, I loved these when I was a kid. The one that actually, like, Legends of the Hidden Temple, we've mentioned before, was, I think, the one that everybody 
loved. Like, I don't know hardly anyone. I think my wife maybe didn't watch it, but um, she didn't uh, have cable. I only got to watch it at my grandpa's house. Uh, but it was one that I adored because of get the kids getting to run through the end, run through these ruins and uh, and like be Indiana Jones, basically. Like that was awesome um yeah but american gladiators was the one that really got me like that was the one that i tuned in for every single time really that's interesting yeah i mean i feel like legends of the hidden temple was a touchstone for 90s kids but then as soon as you get beyond that it's kind of different person by person so i have some that jumped out to me but what was it about american gladiators that like stuck out for you I don't know what it was about American Gladiators. It was these ridiculous characters that they had. So, I mean, it was like that professional wrestling thing where they had these people that were doing it. But I really liked the games. I remember watching those games and thinking that they would be fun. Like the uh, sparring where they have like the the big, they're like bow staffs, but they have like big padding on the sides where they can hit each other. And it's like they were, they were sparring on these platforms trying to knock each other off off and uh, like climbing up uh, just different what look like now like bouncy houses for kids uh, birthday parties but they were these soft obstacle courses like just climbing up and around them uh, like trying to shoot people with uh, they were they were the gladiators were shooting at the contestants with like a tennis ball cannon oh, yeah, while they I were trying that. to run through like using all of these shields like they were just ridiculous enough that it's like I would love to do that sometime like you watch it and it's like let's the hidden temple like as a kid you know you're never going to get on nickelodeon and be able to do that it's like that would be awesome but i'm never going to get to do it but then you see uh somebody on american gladiators get a tennis ball cannon fired at them while they're hiding behind some plastic and you're like yeah yeah that's what i'm gonna do wow that's like, cool. i just loved it um i know one of the ones you added here that i had completely forgotten about its existence was nick arcade but I watched that show a ton when I was a kid. That was fun, too. I forgot what it was called. I had to look up. The reason I have a YouTube link here in our notes and I'm going to share in the uh, the the actual show notes is because this was the one where you the kids got to be in a video game at the end of yep. it. The obstacle course. When you're watching it on TV, you're watching them play like an old 8-bit video game. And I ate this up. I didn't remember what it was called. I do not remember what the uh, game actually was that they were playing normally. Um, but there is a link uh, that I found that's this mini documentary about it and how they did the video game stuff. So I, I, I'm excited to watch that myself because I found it like 15 minutes before we recorded. But that was one of my favorites. Nick Arcade, whenever I had a chance to watch that one, I, I watched it, but I couldn't remember the name of it. But so, it's, it was so interesting. I think that in that one, didn't they actually like play real arcade games for the first couple of rounds? And then if you made it to the final round, they played that like virtual one where they were like green screened or something crazy. Oh, yeah, maybe right? they did. But you just I think at first it was literally just like they played arcade games because I remember watching that and being like, oh, I want to play that video game. Like, th yeah. I think that was part of the appeal just as a 90s kid. Oh, man, now I'm going to really have to go look up some episodes of it. Like, that documentary I've got my link to is like, yeah, that'll be, I want to see what games they played. Like, I had completely forgotten what the actual first part of that was. That's awesome. Yeah. The, I mean, another one that jumped out to me from that period was Double Dare. And this was one mm -hmm. that I always, I feel like it was never a show I tuned in for 
to like watch Double Dare, but it was something that would come on and I would leave the TV on and it would be okay. Like it was one that it seemed fun to watch and be like, oh, like I could, you know, if we were there, you could do that as a family, like at the Nickelodeon studios. Um, right. And I don't know. I just, I enjoyed that because it was like a family bonding thing. Um, it was always like on the gross end though. So it didn't super appeal yeah. to me, but I do know Double Dare is just classic from that era. And it's great. Like uh, we saw it live a couple of years ago. That was part of, uh, I think our Christmas present to each other was going to see Double Dare live in Nashville. And it was great. It was just as good as it was when we were kids being able to see these kids do this ridiculous stuff, like climb through pancakes and pick the nose and just do all of this. It was, it was fantastic. And it really made me remember how much I loved watching that as a kid. Like that kind of action game show was uh, like Double Double Dare really kind of uh, epitomizes it for me. Yeah. So my favorite was always Guts. I loved Guts. It was just like it. The aggro Craig was amazing. It was like one of the best things I'd ever seen on TV. Right. Like, can you win the aggro Craig? Because that's what it always came down to. Right. They never yeah. really eliminated teams. They just it ultimately like gave you a penalty or like a like a handicap on that final round of trying to beat the aggro crag. And so that's what every episode came down to. It was like, can you beat the aggro crag or not? And something about that just appealed to me and it just clicked in my brain. And I liked all the things leading up to it because they were always like, they were like athletic and like sporty challenges. And I was never a super, I mean, you know, big surprise here. If you guys have heard me talk for the last five seasons, I was never a super sporty or athletic kid. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I always appreciate like, specific skills within a sport so like i would do things like i would just go out on the driveway and i would shoot like baskets like you know in a basketball Mm -hmm. hoop that we had or like there was a while where i was into like i was you know quote unquote into like street hockey but for me what that meant was i would set up a hockey net and i would like go out on our side slab in our yard and i would just like hit like street hockey balls into the net over and over for hours Uh, or like you know take a tennis racket and just like try to keep a ball like uh volleying against the side of our garage like these are the kind of things that appeal to me in sports and something about guts was like that was the type of games that they had at the core of that show where it was like a subset skill from something that was athletic but it wasn't actually like team competitive games in the same way that like traditional sports is so i really liked it i liked the way they framed it up and I remember specifically one game on there that I always like whenever I think of guts, I don't actually think of the crag that they're climbing, the aggro crag. I think of the this weird cube that they had to crawl through that was just crisscrossed bungee cords. Oh, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Like I that do. one looked so much fun. And like them I don't know even how to describe like what it feels like to watch that, but it's like I want to do that. Like that that scene seems like it's just ridiculous enough like that's what i think about with guts all the time whenever yeah. i think you know all those conversations you know where i'm sitting there, i was like do i were thinking about nintendo or nickelodeon guts it's like but whenever i it is brought up like that kind of thing it's it's that picture of the bungee cord like barrier that cube yeah oh man so anyway we don't really have a point to this topic except that it came up and i wanted to talk about it so there you go if you haven't checked out the floor is lava on netflix you and like any of this rings a bell from your childhood or it just sounds interesting absolutely go watch the floor is lava because it is worth your time um 
Yeah. With that being said, we are part of a network, so don't forget we have uh, podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. Um, and then you can get it sent right to you. Is there anything else new going on with Patreon? I don't have any idea. We're recording this early. So you can always go to geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon and check it out. It is an exclusive. It is full of exclusive content now. There are some that you can check out for uh, that's open to the public to see what we offer. And uh, consider becoming a subscriber. Uh, you support the writers uh, of the uh, content to get more of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Do you, what do you have for Geekery this week? We watched the documentary Howard on Disney+. Plus. Have you watched that yet? No, it's on my list, and I'm excited to check it out. It is so good. It's about Howard Ashman, the lyricist behind like every major Disney movie from our childhood. The uh, the the Little Mermaid, Aladdin, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Like the guy is is a genius, and it they don't shy away in this documentary. I'm really proud of them. They don't really shy away from him dying from AIDS. That I was wondering how they would handle it being a Disney uh, made documentary that's airing on Disney Plus. And uh, they went straight in talking about it very candidly and what it was like for people who were living in the 80s, like dealing with it before uh, really people knew what it was. So I was really. Uh, really proud that they didn't gloss over it and showed how him uh, having the disease affected his work and his interaction with his co-workers and things like that. And uh, just it was compelling and moving and I cannot recommend it enough. Like it's one that Jennifer was looking forward to. And when we found out that it was out already, uh, went and watched it like the next day. Cool. It was it's so good. Yeah, I definitely need to watch that because like you said, he's responsible for like so many of the iconic songs from that golden age of Disney musicals, essentially from like yep. nineteen eighty nine, I think is where the Little Mermaid kicks off through yeah, like so. the early two thousands or late nineties. Um he had either direct influence on a lot of those from like the the late eighties and early nineties, and then like even after his death, he had done a pre work on a lot of the ones that even mm -hmm. went into like the late nineties and early two thousands. So yeah. So one thing I learned about this that I didn't know about uh, Howard Ashman is that he is the reason Little Shop of Horrors is a musical. Like he did, he got that, uh, he did the script, the treatment for the uh, play and the uh, the film. Had no idea that he was the reason that we have a feed, Miss Seymour. I did not know. Interesting. I didn't know that yeah. either. Cool. Yeah, okay. I love it. And I gotta watch it. I love that. Yeah, you have to. It's great. Cool. Um. I watched a couple movies. Actually, I played a game that I can hit on really quick because I don't have a ton to say about it. But um, I got Forager on Game Pass. And Forager was like, I don't know, it's really interesting. It's it's like a crafting game that just has these like tight little crafting loops. And it's all this top-down perspective and kind of cutesy. But there's a lot of game there underneath it. And it was one where... If you have ever played like um, kind of the crafty survival-y game, it's not super into the survival side, more on the crafting, right. building side, um, and that kind of game appeals to you, you might want to take a look at Forager, especially if you have a game pass, just because I booted it up one night to try it, and then I, like five hours later, 
just came out of the zone that I was in and realized how much time I had spent with it. So I had a oh, fun, wow. like a really just fun night with that that lasted for way longer than I thought it would. Is that a game you'll go back to? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so that's, again, why it's a quick hit. Like, it's just not my type of genre, but there's definitely something there in the core gameplay loop that appealed to me when I was in the zone for it. So I think if that is your type of game, you could find a lot of enjoyment there. And it's pretty. Like, I've seen this one a lot on Steam and on the uh, Switch eShop, where it is bright color pixel art. And uh, I haven't played it, but I know that I look at it and be like, man, that game is uh, my kind of art style. Yeah, it is pretty, for sure. Um, and then outside of that, I, I've been watching other movies, too. So I know you just talked about one. Um, I watched Marriage Story on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it was That's like, intense, man. It was really good, but it was also like really intense. Like it's a, it's, and I don't even know how to say it. It's like an adult movie, but not like that. It's it's like a right. movie made for adults, right? Like for grown the ups, themes yeah. and the subject matter are ones that are interesting to adults in the world. And it's like it's a it's truly a drama, right? It's like one of those that feels like people would call Oscar bait, where it's mm-hmm. not really like an action or like oh this this huge new concept it's a story of this marriage where the couple is in the process of separating and getting a divorce and you follow them through that and they never like hate each other during it it's not about like who's in the right who's in the wrong because it really shows you both sides of it throughout the whole thing and how situations can just kind of spiral um and in the end it ends on a note where you don't feel horrible about anything but it's definitely an intense movie with a lot of emotions um but it's very well acted and it was really well done and it's probably one of the best movies i've seen this year yeah it is one of the yeah it's one of the best movies i've seen this year uh that's a really good way to put it where it's not the kind of movie that i'll seek out very often where it's uh, something i know that is going to make me feel that intensely and have that intense of a reaction to it yeah but it having Adam Driver in it really, really helped. Like, I really like him as an actor, not just because he's Kylo Ren, but in everything I've ever seen him in, like, he is a fantastic actor. And so we wanted to watch it, and uh, I'm blanking right now on who plays his wife. Scarlett Um, Johansson? Scarlett Johansson, yeah. And it surprised me um, on just how their chemistry made it more intense. Yeah, like, it worked. When it totally they were works. together, it totally works. And I don't know, that movie was, uh, like you said, it's not a feel-good movie. It's not, and it doesn't make you, f- it when it ends, you don't really feel bad. It's just like, wow, that happened, and I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it is absolutely worth seeing. It was. It was one that made me think for a while, but in a good yeah, way. Like that, it was good. Yeah, in the good way. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I wanted to call out as a movie I watched lately was Greyhound, which I don't know. Have you seen this one? I don't think I know this one. No. Okay. So this is the Tom Hanks movie that was going to release, but then COVID happened and no movies have come out in theaters. So he, something with the rights of this one moved over to Apple Plus. So it's on like Apple, oh, okay. Apple TV Plus, Apple, whatever they call it, you know, their Apple subscription. <laughs> right. Um, and it is, I think it's the best depiction of world war ii naval battles that i've ever seen um okay it's really interesting so the the core premise is that there's the crossing of the atlantic ocean right and they go across the area that they call i think they call it the pit um and it's basically 
between air support from the United States and when you can get air support from Great Britain. And that hmm. area in between, you're essentially on your own crossing the ocean, right? Because this is the 1940s and air support only goes so far. Um, and so there's this like multiple day period as they're crossing the ocean where like they are protecting a convoy of troops and supplies and all of the things that need to get over to the the theater of war in Europe. Um, hmm. And so it follows Tom Hanks as the captain who is in charge of the he's not the admiral of the whole convoy but he's like in charge of the group that's protecting the convoy so he's kind of like in charge of the small subset of ships that is doing the patrols and like defending and it follows him for essentially like 50 or 60 hours right in the middle of it between when they lose air support and when they get air support again and as they're being like harassed by a bunch of uh u-boats you know so submarines Hmm. and yeah it's just like after having watched this one, I feel like every other depiction of a World War II naval battle I've ever seen is so simplified and not accurate because this actually shows like the captain and like what he's doing and how he's making the calls, but it also shows the rest of the crew and the bridge crew and how like even through everything that's going on in battles, they all have to just stand at their post and they aren't really allowed to move because that's how it works. Because a ship is a gigantic machine that takes so many people to operate. And it actually gives you a sense of the fact that like, oh yeah, these people are doing a job. They have to rotate in and out of these positions. So even though the captain stays on the bridge, like the other people around him rotate because they have to take a break. They have to go eat. They have to sleep so they can come back, you know, a couple shifts from then. And something about it just like made the reality of naval battles in World War II more real for me than anything else ever has. And on top of that, it's just a good movie too. So I had to call that one out because... It was great. Like Greyhound was just, it was a really good movie. I can't imagine that it's bad. Like I can think on one hand of how many bad Tom Hanks movies I've seen. Yeah. Like they may not all be, you know, blockbuster uh, stuff that I want to watch over and over and over again, but I can't think of many bad ones. So, I mean, while this isn't my kind of movie because it's a, a war film, I can absolutely see it being a fantastic film. Oh yeah. Tom Hanks is good for sure. Yeah. Pretty much anything. Yep. That's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. While you're there, make sure you check out all the other content on the network. We have a lot of new stuff like blogs and video game reviews and a whole lot more. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast. I'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, lava! When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. 
or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network, a community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time, and we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 